Comedy Pods proudly presents Garrett Teitelbaum. It's nice to see he's working. I never even thought about it until you do it so much. And, you know, like anybody that does podcasts, it, it is incredible practice. Every week you have to be able to yes, talk you, and come up with it. Especially if you're being yourself, dude. Yes. I mean, you won't believe how invaluable it is when... When the time comes when you're a headliner and you're doing radio and you're fucking funny. Yeah. And you're able to good. do stories and, and you're be yourself. Loose. Right. It's, it's, I, I felt like it was almost the same as like getting reps in as comic. Sure. Like open mic. How long you had know, you the been? The more you do it, the better you'll be. Yeah. No question. Absolutely. How long had you been doing your podcast with Sean before you started Grown Dad Business on your own and then adding Jason later, obviously? Um, had you had a ton of podcast experience before you decided to start your own show? Yeah, Sean and I were in at least a year. Okay, we were because we're we're coming up on four years. That's incredible. Next, yeah. What, what, what when was it? I think it was July. So it'll be it'll be four years in July. Okay, this coming. Uh, yeah, my guest today, Aaron Kleiber, here yeah. on the podcast. Are uh, we talking? We are. Okay. I snuck in. I snuck in. I figured That's you fine. knew what we were doing. Yeah, some people do that. It always catches me off guard. Uh, the podcast, Garrett Teitelbaum. It's nice to see he's working. 96 weeks in the books and joining me today, the godfather of Pittsburgh comedy, Aaron Kleiber. We were just reminiscing about four years ago. You started a podcast with Sean, and I was reminiscing about my backstory. Four years ago in March, the uh, few days you'll be taping your special here on March 3rd. Yeah. Um, four years ago, March was my first stand-up set. I walked into Pleasure oh, wow. Bar. And I did a set. That was your first one at Pleasure Bar? First one was at Pleasure Bar. That's awesome. On a Monday. And I only did seven that first year because I was still doing a lot of improv. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then about halfway through 2015 is when I shifted my attention. But yeah, yeah, yeah. you were my first uh, MC to bring that up. That's funny, man. I, I, always, I, I always forget about what comics, like when they started or sure. how they started. or I forget good comics that are in the scene that took my class at Arcade Comedy Theater. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, oh, yeah. Colin Chamberlain was in my class. Yeah, long. Now he teaches it. Yeah. So was Holly Price and Suzanne Lawrence and Ed Bailey and like. There's quite like, a like, few. Wow. Huh. Okay. Oh yeah. Uh, who else? Who else is still going on? There's there's more. I know there's more. Of course. I've named this. Now you. I'm a little tired. What do you, do you miss <laughs> teaching? But it's crazy. Do you it's miss just, that kind of opportunity to kind of invest in the, uh, the first class of people? It, it it's nice. It's it kind of makes you feel like you're you're smart and needed. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But who cares? You know, like I don't really need that. Uh, that feeling you know what i mean do you mention your roommate on you the can. podcast yeah he's i like him he's my friend i like him. Where, where are you going pool where do you go, yeah, where? go are you for real what is that bag it does look what like you a, 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 oh it looks like you had a, a, a like a pool stick he's gonna break cube. it out on the table like color of money and start screwing or, it together or it's it's your watercolor pack like yeah. you're you're gonna go to the allegheny cemetery and and sit on a tomb and watercolor in the moonlight i was gonna stick with the pool thing <laughs> Uh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Thanks, Brandon. Brandon Shell's cool. It's been like nice. Him. I love having another comedian in the house. Yeah. Uh, he's my third is one it, up here. Is it, it Cut Up City? We do. It's nice to just, at the end of the day, we all know the same characters. You sure. can talk about the scene. You can oh, see, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, we've all had the same experience, different bookers, different shows sure, we've been sure. on. And I like getting somebody else's opinion on how sure. things are going around oh, here, yeah, yeah, even yeah, off yeah. microphone. Yeah, I'm still yeah, yeah. an inquisitive guy. 
I, I'm sorry. I talk in like, uh, if, if you ever hear my podcast, Grown Dad Business, uh, Jason Clark and I talk in all these different pockets. Sure. And we kind of have to keep reining in conversation. So I apologize. <laughs> Not a worry at uh, all. My listeners are used to me jumping around yeah. too. I did a few episodes of your show with Jason and then before Jason mm-hmm. joined the show today in preparation. And I, <laughs> I just listened to you and Missy Moreno on Addie Twig's podcast yeah. as well. Because Addie had just been a guest of mine oh, short, yeah, yeah, shortly yeah. before you taped that. I love her. She's a sweetheart. I, I've known her for a long time. Good luck with your recovery from ankle surgery yeah i'm sure she's uh she's sitting around kicking butt house. yeah yeah hopefully yeah. safely though yeah 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 um what were we talking about wait let's go what were we talking about before he interrupted us oh just like teaching and oh yeah your experience with the arcade you know it, part you know um i have kind of teaching in me i used to work with teenagers and teach things and you know um and i was i was a hockey coach for years and sure. you know so it's kind of something i i can do and it is a weird thing teaching stand-up um, because you don't want to, you know, first of all, it's kind of a taboo thing. Uh, of course. It's like, oh, you're going to teach stand up. Oh, really? But really, it's, it's, um, I saw a lot of parallels with counseling. It's really like f- really digging into a person and finding out who they are. And my thing, I always told comics, like, I just want to help you find your funny. Right. You know what I mean? Like, just, like your personality, your voice. The closer and the sooner you can get to being you up there, right. the better Absolutely. you'll be to discover what's so funny like, for yeah. you. Yeah, so it's like, what's what's your funny voice and worldview? And, and and you know what I mean? Like, who are you? I look at classes like that, and I just took one at Unplanned, yeah. uh, just as a refresher, because I think it's yeah. good to force you to sure. write once in a while. Um I look at that as such a good base level just on being on stage, presenting. And you obviously, you and I had done some improv, and I know you had mm-hmm. acting experience from when you were mm-hmm. young. That obviously helps you with some stage comfort. But for somebody oh, yeah. who is like, I just want to tell jokes, that's just a great reminder of this is how you move a microphone out oh, of the yeah. stand. This yeah, is yeah, yeah, how yeah. you work a crowd. And yeah. So, what kind of pieces you need to be right, a right, multi tool right. player. Exactly. So, that's that's what that that's what the class was about, really. You know, so. Uh, but it was fun for a while, and I wanted to help Arcade Comedy Theater. You know, I, I wanted to help you know them put something together, and uh, yeah, that was a, it, it's a neat thing. It definitely, and you know what, going over, uh, going over, kind of, I don't want to say the basics, but do, teaching teaches you too. It's a great you, reminder you, you, for you. You just completely go over the fundamentals. I, I, I think during that time, I did kind of broaden myself a little bit oh, sure you know, it made me much more cognizant and present in what i was doing on stage now, i know you're a big hockey fan yeah um, i'm not as big on hockey but it's baseball season or it's starting yeah, to yeah, become yeah, yeah. baseball season spring training always reminds me of scouting and looking at new players mm-hmm. and especially in the classroom setting uh, they talk about at least in baseball prospects being a five tool player and that's the dream mm-hmm. somebody who can hit for average hit for power mm-hmm. uh what are the other two fielding ability throwing ability mm-hmm. and i'm gonna miss the other oh base running i just okay. them down yeah i yeah. got notes <laughs> for stand-up yeah. what do you think the five tools are five oh boy for somebody and maybe look at the rounds that you use in stand-up get down as yeah. some of them or just for somebody who's a bare level player, what are those five things if they don't know anything that they could work on? Well, I think I think the I think it really comes down to also um, like when you would judge comedy contests or you would, you know, uh, select people for like a festival or something like that. I mean, sure. I've done all that stuff. So I, I think a lot of it is, you know, you want to. F- it's weird. Well, that's a loaded question. <laughs> I mean, all? honestly, I mean, yeah, you're when you say like uh, the one thing is your stage presence, mm-hmm. right? 
see when you think stage a lot of times when people say stage presence they're like oh oh so be gregarious and loud and no 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 what is your stage presence what are you your yeah. stage present might be hey guys how's it going um here's the thing you know that might be your stage presence you put a, a mike sasson and an osha dwyer next to each other absolutely incredibly different stage picture and both really good stage presence yes in different ways right so that's one of the things you know uh, looking at that and also um I don't know if you, you would say like material. Um, I think material and originality and kind of worldview all kind of go together. I think it's I think it's really important. Um, that might just break down into voice. I think your worldview. Yeah, people always talk about yes, finding your yeah. voice, and it doesn't mean how you speak on stage. It doesn't right. mean using a silly voice because your your physical voice would be stage presence. Right, it would still right. fall under stage presence. So yeah, I mean your your voice, and and I always think it's really important to have a worldview. Yeah, because you're uh, I, I talk a lot about of figuring out your you know, what is your worldview? Because that's how you connect with an audience. A lot of the times your worldview connects you with an audience, no matter if they uh, have lived it or not. You kind of really what you're doing is you're bringing people into your worldview. Yeah. You want people to stop on your channel and listen to you. You know what I mean? While you're talking. So about uh, nine years ago, yeah. your daughter was born. And yeah. a few months after that, you went into comedy full time. Yeah. You started doing acting and comedy. Yeah, right, kind of. Right around the you know early yeah, yeah, days yeah, yeah, yeah. of your, your first child being here. Yeah, it was smart to do that. Yeah. It's a, it's I really, I lit. Timed that out well. Yeah. It, 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 <laughs> it, was, it was all circumstance. Sure. It was all, um, you know, my, my first daughter was born in 2008. And then... Um, like what five months later um i was cast in two like legit films okay almost back to back nice and so i had to quit my job my day job and i was working in advertising when my daughter was born okay and i had to quit all that and then i ended up going and be just being a black car driver that was my last real job sure i was a black car driver because uh i was i was i wanted to go be a cab driver i literally i, I knew somebody that before uh, there was uber there yeah, were cabs, oh my God. folks. Oh my, do you know how much <laughs> I like envy comics now that can just go Uber? They're like, oh, I'm now a cab driver. I'm like, driver. oh my God, I'll kill you. On my Are phone. you kidding me? Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. That would have been amazing. So I, 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 a friend of mine was a cab driver and he was like, here's how it works. You basically get the car for 24 hours and you owe him a hundred bucks. And I was like, what? That's all? Yeah, that's how it was when, <laughs> yeah. I, when I looked into it. But I knew, I knew owners of a different transportation company that had a little, a little more classier cab sure um <laughs> and i was like well i know those guys let me talk to those guys and i was like can i be a class you know classy cabbie classy ca type of cabbie yeah. <laughs> and um and he was and and this guy was like uh you know what i i need like a i need a executive like driver and uh i was like what does that mean like i just drive town cars he's like no like i like you're gonna drive like famous people like high like these are our um high-end clients high-end clients and he said, you've already, like, you've worked with actors. You've been in movies. He was like, I get these 50, 60-year-old retiree guys, and all they do is talk their ear off. <laughs> he was like, I need somebody that's, like, professional and personable yeah. who knows how to be around, Not you know. fanboy. Who yeah. knows how to be around, you know, uh, well, who did I drive for? Someone like James Ferrier's wife. Sure. And not talk about the Steelers. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it's people like that. Letting and, these celebrities yeah, yeah. live their lives. A lot of actors that came through town, I drove them. Sure. So I drove Mercedes and Lexus, and so that was my <laughs> last job. Nice. And so while I was starting stand-up comedy, I was driving, you know, Julianne Moore to the airport. Very cool. You know, just weird, you know, people filming. Random pop-ins. Right, yeah. random, you know, models <laughs> for American Eagle and just, you know, pirates' wives that are, you know, whatever. You know, um, 
things like that. But uh, yeah, that was my that was my last day job. When you were previous to being the dad comic or somebody yeah. who's who's talking about about your family and your worldview has obviously mm-hmm. changed in this nine years. Yeah. What do you think your first few years of comedy, your voice or your worldview was before this shift? Um, it was it was definitely uh, it was I, I feel like it was the same type of comedy because it just I, I was kind of familiar with how I joked around on stage. OK, just because before I did stand up, I was doing improv for almost 12 years. And, uh, you know, I did time at Second City in Chicago and I also worked at camps for teenagers for seven years, you know, making three, four hundred kids laugh, you know, in full weeks, you know, so I had a it's lot the same of same audience you can't use the same material day in and day out, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like we would have three, four five hundred kids come through every week. Wow. And we would just create a week of entertainment and we would do it every week for like nine weeks. Sure. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, it was just all live sketch improv. Now was that video. was that affiliated with youth groups in the church? Because I know you had experience. Yeah, with that. Okay. yeah. It was. I I worked through like the Pittsburgh Leadership Foundation. Very cool. So it was basically um, either they were either like leadership camps where the kids were a little more responsible. You know, people. You know, kids involved in their school and their community yeah. and things like that. Or it was at risk youth. So we would have weekends too, where it was like kids off the street out of trailer parks, you know, out of out of projects. I mean, and uh, let me tell you something, man. 400 kids out of the projects uh, to make them laugh. Yeah, make me laugh. We got good. Man. We got good. Yeah. And that I give all the credit. Those are my chops where when I when I finally got on stage with stand up, adults were nothing to me. Like I, I know that sounds super douchey. No, but you, I, my, but my mother like, teaches junior high, and my father's a college professor. So yeah. I, that thirteen to nineteen range, yeah. they don't want you in no. front of them. You are not cool. No, nothing you're, you're about a, you're you. You're a chubby twenty-five-year-old white dude. Not interesting to no. me. <laughs> but luckily, I was the chubby white dude who grew up in the projects. Yeah, and I know how to make people laugh. So, uh, but that's that. That's where I got a lot of my chops. And so once I started stand up. Being in front of people just pouring Didn't phase out. You immediately. Yeah, I was just like, whatever. I wasn't scared. I was just like figuring it out. Yeah. That's that's kind of the bumps that I hit early on. It was like, oh, how do you tell jokes? And it took me a minute to realize, like it took me six months to realize that I could do the same thing. Well, and I think that coming from improv, it's, uh, you're you're so used to being like, I'm not right. allowed. Those are the rules. I can't bring yeah, anything yeah, yeah, with yeah. me. I gotta make it up on the spot. It was, it, it was to my advantage, though, because... Well, it keeps you loose up there. I, you learn I, those sorts of improvisational chops. Yeah. Well, it actually got me work. Okay. Fast. Nice. Because I was going to the improv. They used to have a weekly mic when I... When, okay. Or every other week. They do the like monthly that. Wednesday Yeah, now. now they do monthly. But I think they had weekly for a little bit, and then it was bi-weekly. But uh, I went to, like, every open mic, like, every other week, you know, and, um, uh, and then I got a couple guest sets. Because, oh, cool. you know, I was funny. They liked me. And uh, I was featuring at the improv in seven months. Wow. And it was because they needed a feature. You get in front of the And right I get a call and they're like, hey, I didn't even when they call me, they're like, do you want a feature? And I'm like, who's featuring like, really? you? And I'm like, you uh, would we just said oh, you. <laughs> I haven't hosted yet. And they were like, well, we've seen you do. 10 five minute different sets so you've got enough you gotta have 20 minutes and i'm like actually yeah i guess i guess i can so i kind of like went through my index cards and was like what did i say and i was like this one was good this one was good this one was good this one was good 20 minutes and that's what i did were you i didn't get that yet exclusively doing index cards or were you recording your set at that point i was not recording my sets i was i was i was writing like down like bullets of things that i wanted to 
like make sure you with. hit on yeah. yeah right and then just play and, in that uh, topic space yeah 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 and um yeah i would basically write down like a funny idea and be like oh that's my suggestion tonight there you go and so yeah. that i would just run with you're giving yourself your pops. yeah that's i would just thought something was funny and i would run with it you know like do you, you miss know? anything about the sketch or improv portion of your life yeah uh yeah it's you you miss uh i miss being like other people yeah i miss playing characters like being able to create in a different character you know like just funny things you can you have know? some act outs in stand-up yeah, but it yeah. surely isn't like yeah. i'm gonna do this for five to ten and I, minutes you know what man as and the weird janitor at the i just youth baseball i just league. uh because i'm i'm you know before i do my special on march 3rd at the carnegie library of homestead both 7 and 10 p.m mm-hmm. um you know, I'm yeah, I'm 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 going. I'm now so pr- uh, present in my material. Sure. That, so I'm trying to look at every little thing. It's like, can this be better? Can this be better? Can this be better? And I just when I, I was in Tampa this past week, and I remember thinking, I really love doing the other people because I do this lady. I do this story about this lady. Uh, I'm not going to ruin it. No, I want but you it, to see it. And when you get to do, I do my act out. yeah, I do my daughter as a character. And I'm it, and I remember thinking this weekend like this is fun. It, it breaks I like it up being these characters, and you yeah. get to turn it up to like a bigger. Even yeah. though your your stage personality yeah. is already big, but you get to go a little bit bigger because you have to show right. the audience quickly. I'm not Aaron anymore. Now I'm doing something different. And it's fun too because it, it gives you a, a different way to create too because you're creating in that person's voice and world. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, what else do they think? Yeah, right, right, right. So you this. can you can expand on it. I mean, I've this lady character. I'll just call her the Indianapolis lady. Oh, sure. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I've added so much crap to her, like you built her little out. mannerisms and of, <laughs> yeah, and it's fun. That's fun to do that, you know. Um, I don't. I'm not going to be Yanni Pappas, but no. you know. But it's little stuff like that's fun. When you've been building out this hour, obviously you tour a ton. You're doing yeah. some headline work all over mm-hmm. the country. How do you look at the structure of this 60 minute chunk as you move pieces around? Has it been pretty stationary for a while going into this taping? Yeah. I- I'm I'm pretty I like I like my I like my stuff going into other things like I like the whole a narrative to I the like hour. building like a railroad track or a or yeah. a I, well a roller coaster track you know what I mean like I like how things flow into each other and I like I like things to sound like it's all conversation like it's all you know leads into another one yeah like I I pride myself on transitions because I don't have transitions you know like. I I like improvising my way into the next bit. Yeah, with the other one. So yeah, there are things I do get stuck on that I I want to stick together. Like mm-hmm. this and this and this has to go together because it's perfect. Like I that. need these threads. Yeah, but mostly like I will say that um, like my, you know if I feature on the road, that th- twenty to thirty minutes is kind of solid. Yeah, and then I kind of there's little spots where I know I can add things and uh, and you still know. comfortably get back into yeah 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 yeah. The there's it's it's almost like you know um, we can we're gonna get from point A to point B. There's just different tracks to take sometimes. Yeah, that makes sense. You know sense. what I mean? So like I know I know for a fact like my headline set between like minute thirty and minute like fifty can change i change that drastically okay and i have been just like seeing you know how i like it how does this play with yeah so when i do like 45 to an hour 
there's that I know that portion is yeah. getting so inside. But that's the goal <laughs> for the, the, but, origi- the original. But I know point you, of a show. lot of comedians listen to your podcast, and that's my my yeah. goal is yeah. to let this. They're they're almost like time capsules each episode yeah. to serve as advice for people as they come sure, in, yeah. and just to be able to look now that I'm 96 weeks into this program mm-hmm. back at some of the guests that I've gotten over mm-hmm. the years, um, and even some of them. Like I always think about John Rollins, who's no longer with us, but like it's a perfect oh, right. little time capsule every year. Yeah, that that's pops cool. Up, yeah, and it's like I loved getting to talk to John and get to know him when he was still part of yeah, our yeah, scene yeah. and community. Mm-hmm. Um, one feature that I've been doing on here, and we'll break up instead of mm-hmm. two inside baseball right now for comedy okay. folks. <laughs> this is a feature we've been doing for a few weeks on the podcast. I'm a big music fan. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Ohio where the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is. Yeah, yeah. So every episode we go and look at the year 1996 for this episode uh-huh. who was inducted into the rock and roll hall of oh fame my gosh. and you are going to select one of these bands or artists and i'm going to start deep diving them and going in and adding them I to like my this. music collection i'm trying to listen to all i was a dj records. for years too nice extra and I, money and i know part of stand up get down the music plays yeah, a big dude. role yeah, so yeah, yeah. i love i love talking music with people so if there's any of these artists it. that jump out to you but the class of 1996 wow, uh, that's a 96 david bowie Hmm, was okay. uh, inducted Gladys Knight and the Pips. They waited in '96 for these two. So you have to be 25 years after your first album. Wow, That's the I did not know that. So like Green Day got in a couple I of didn't years know ago. What sort the, of what the yeah, yeah requirements criteria are. was. Um, yeah, wow. Jefferson Airplane. So this is the 10th class because '86 was the first year. That gotcha. Started. So David Bowie, Gladys Knight and the Pips, Jefferson Airplane, Little Willie John, <laughs> Pink Floyd, The Shirelles, and The Velvet Underground. Wow. Class of 1996. Wow, that's a good class. Not too bad. So you're saying who I would pick? Yeah, of these artists. I mean, I David Bowie, hands down. I think. He, I mean, hands down. I mean, other than that, you you could say Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd and Velvet Underground certainly have a deep catalog. I was right. never that big of a Floyd guy. Obviously, in high school, I did Dark Side of the Moon because right, right, everybody right. tries that. Sure. Um, and you know, I like some Lou Reed stuff on Velvet Underground, but a little yeah. bit of his solo stuff. Yeah, too. yeah. Um, but I, I think I, I mean when you always look at, the standout. Yeah, I mean when class. you look at the impact of music uh, of, on other musicians and in audiences, I mean, dude, I mean he was so different every album, but yet so similar. And yeah, I'm, uh, and set set the precedent for oh, yeah. a lot of the seventies oh, yeah. and late sixties. Oh, yeah. um, I look at the him seven- and I, I've heard people say that like him and Freddie Mercury, and you know they they they. Uh, I was, I was trying to remember this conversation I was having with somebody about how Freddie Mercury and David Bowie took um, Robert Plant to a whole nother level. Sure. And then they basically, David Bowie and 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 um, Freddie Mercury, Freddie Mercury, Queen, sure, created that um, confident, effeminate man in the eighties. Yeah. That 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 became the thing, especially in in um, you know like pop music and. You look at George Michael as yeah, the, as all of that. Everything the comes day, from yeah, those yeah, yeah. two. You're right. I yeah. think that plays Sorry, a big role. You, no, that's okay. I like getting deep on music too. I do too. And I I actually you are very lucky, just like Shannon, a couple weeks ago, you're following an archive episode. So we get to do the class of ninety five too. So you're gonna pick two music. Aaron, it's crazy in here. I'm excited. Boom. I can talk uh, about this all day. Boom. Class of nineteen ninety five, Al Green, Ooh. Frank Zappa, Ooh. Janis Joplin, Led Zeppelin. Martha and the Vandells, Neil Young, and the Allman Brothers Band. I mean, Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin is that's slam it. dunk, yes, no slam question. That's greatest the, rock band for greatest you. rock band of all time. Yeah, all time. And it's also Led Zeppelin is also my Desert Island band. Really? Yeah. If you could take any band's catalog with you on a Desert Island, one mine's Led Zeppelin. 
as much as I love the Beastie Boys, as much as I love, you know, like a Jurassic Five or like the stuff I mean, that was popular while you were growing up. Yeah. I mean, Led Zeppelin is it. I think you get for if you think about it, think about the question, what band you would take on a desert island. You need a variety a variety. Yeah. You can hard rock. You can jazz out. You can you can country blues. ballad bluegrass i mean they have arena rock yeah so many different types of music awesome that i think you get a little bit of everything i think that's a perfect combination Mm. and uh yeah led zeppelin david bowie added to the list it's been going well if you want to find out who else we've been listening to go back to the archives if you want to hear some of the mixes we are making support the fan club it's nice to see he's working the beautiful bombshells at patreon.com slash title bomb my guest today episode 96 Aaron Kleiber, who's taping his special on March 3rd, this Saturday night at the Carnegie of Homestead Music Hall. I know, Carnegie Library of Homestead Music Hall. It's a long it's, Yeah, building. no one knows how to say it right. <laughs> yeah, that's March 3rd. Um, yeah. What does it mean to get to do a show there on your side of the river? Um, yeah. You grew up here in the Pittsburgh area, the Mun Hall yeah, and, and section I, and of I, town. Yeah, and I grew up in Homestead. Yeah. I mean, it, that's my school district where I grew up. and uh, That's I a lived- venue that gets... Big names when they come yeah. to town, both comedy and music. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's a place where, uh, like, when I was like eleven or twelve years old, I drove my bike down and broke into it. Wow. Like, <laughs> like, well, we were going to the library, and then you know we figured out that we could get into the theater part, and then it looked like I keep saying it looked like the theater in the end of Twelve Monkeys. You know, like it just <laughs> it was crusty. You know, and it was before they redid it. But that being there, like you know where I grew up, and also it's you know. Um, it's a place where also it's one of my best comedy memories ever is when I opened for Sinbad there. And wow. I had one of the best memories of my life because I was doing stand up almost not even two years and I got to open for Sinbad. And that was the first biggest oh, sh- name and the first theater I ever got to open for anybody was Sinbad. I mean, that it was nuts to me. And, um, do you want me to tell the story? Can yeah, story? no, I'm, I'm. This is just, and, and you know, and his I hate name to comes be... up on podcasts all the time. And really? I remember watching him yeah. when I was like young on Comedy Central. He, he is one of my influences. Sure. I love his improv style, his likability. You know, um, very loose on stage. I love his rarely yeah. rehearsed. I, well, uh, don't know if you know this. He doesn't. Re- he's never written down a single joke in his whole life. Wow. Okay. Uh, it's all in his head. Okay. No, I didn't. He know He has that filmed much. specials where he wasn't sure. He was like, "I'm going to think. I'm going to talk about these things." And that's as much as mm-hmm. he took out there. Yeah, and I, I had asked him. I asked him how many things. You, like, um, there was one special that he said that he knew that he was going to do like four topics, and he would just talk. And I'm like, how? That's oh, just incredible. Um, but I don't know if I told this story on a podcast before. And I, you know, exclusive. Uh, maybe. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know, uh, comics are like, oh, he's telling stories about famous people. Well, well, it's good. It's a good story. Yeah. And it's one of the most <laughs> favorite things that's ever happened to me. So suck so a ball. Fuck you, comics. So um, <laughs> I, I I opened for Sinbad and and did like you know 20, 25 minutes and um, uh, he had friends because he filmed the movie House Guest here. Oh, cool. so I guess when he was here, you know, you know. 10 years 15 years prior he like lived with this big uh like wealthy family it was weird right sure like he, yeah odd. <laughs> odd thing you have think like adopted family in pittsburgh i guess it was a thing I, sure. I i don't know but he like got to be close friends with his family it actually might have been the family where they house the house they filmed at oh really okay yeah it was like this huge family this huge black family i think Something like that. They, this family had something to do with him being in Pittsburgh. They were tied guest. to him, yeah. Right. So there's like 10 or you know 12 people. 
And so after the show, we're in the dressing room and he has all, all these friends come down. It's you know, like I said, 10, 12, whatever. Yeah. And uh, they, I guess he sent them like a bus or a limo or something and it like got lost and they missed most of my set. And so they only saw like my closing joke. And uh, Sinbad starts telling them how funny I am. And I'm just sitting there like, what? this is crazy. And he, uh, and they're like, oh, we're so sorry. We missed you, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, oh, man, this kid, he's funny, man. This cat is hilarious. And he, and I just remember because he just kept going, okay, cat. He kept calling me cat. Yeah. Call, or he called me big cat. He go, oh, right, big cat. And he go, uh, oh, you got to hear this one bit he does. Oh. And we're in his dressing room. You're sitting there. With like a dozen of his friends. Like, and it's not, it's as big as your living room. Yeah. He's and, like, putting uh, you on the spot to do bits. Right. And, and uh, you know, we're all just standing in a circle and he's like, oh, you got to do that haunted house, big cat. Dude, <laughs> come on, cat. Do that haunted house bit. And I was like, oh, you mean like this one? And he's like, yeah, do it. And I was like, oh, okay. Yes, sir. <laughs> so I did this bit like that I used to do about haunted houses. And then he's like, all right, do that. Oh, do the pumpkin patch one, cat. He's just come call, on. Calling he requests. called out almost 15 minutes of my material. Wow. And I did 15 minutes. For the people who missed the show. In his dressing room while he called out my bits. Wow. That's uh, surreal. It was. <laughs> and then they all clapped. And then some of the, his friends like gave me a $20 bill. <laughs> like they tipped me. And I was like, I just. And I remember my my sister and her husband or boyfriend at that time, you know. I remember they came down because she loves him bad. And she wanted me. And yeah, of course. I remember leaving the room right after it happened. My sister and her 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 husband comes down. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, you will, you will just. I you would not believe what just happened. This was crazy. Like it was crazy. It was like you're in a movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's 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 that place is special to me. And I even even when we went on tech scouts and stuff, I you know, and I did a fundraiser show last year for Steel Valley Fire. Okay. There, but uh, just going to the, down in the dressing room, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. Like, it's just it's just a really neat thing that uh, you know that happened there. With um, putting together the lineup for a show, mm -hmm. I always think that's super important. You want energies yeah. to build off of each yeah, other. absolutely. You obviously do it regularly at the yeah. arcade for stand-up. Get yeah. down with Jason. Yeah. But talk to me about the the album recording, why you look at guys like Jason and Sean to lend their personalities to that event. Sure, yeah. I mean, number one, I think it's funny when people say like, oh, you're, you're booking your friends on the show. Well, yeah, but all of my friends are really good comics. So you've been around the scene long enough. Yeah, it, I, of it, course. So, you know, if anyone ever's like, oh, you book your friend on that. Sometimes that happens, but not I, I don't. I'm I don't not, do that. I'm not putting people in spots that I don't think that they nope. deserve based on the merit yep, of what absolutely. I've seen them do on yep, stage. Yeah. Ever. Um, and it just so happens that I think Jason Clark and Sean Collier are perfect because Jason is a great hype man. Yes. He, he knows how to command a room. He knows how to talk to a crowd. He's an incredible host. And that's why he's doing what he's doing, yeah. you know, and Sean Collier kind of fits, you know, Sean Collier and like, you know, uh, Andy Picaro, our friend, yeah. you know, Andy o opens for me a lot on the road. And um, and I and as similarly as Sean Collier, I like <laughs> I like I always say to Andy and Sean, especially Andy, because he goes on the road with me, but I like smarter, slower comics. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like I always feel like that. Um, like I love having someone like Andy or or Sean Collier because Sean I feel like is a much better writer than me. Like Andy is much better writer than me. Okay. Uh, they're much more clever and smarter than me, <laughs> and they're 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 a different voice than me. 
You know what I mean? And I think that that plays a lot to an audience because the way I feel about it, like especially like saying taking Andy on the road, I feel like if I can get 90% of the audience, the other 10% that really doesn't want to hear about kids and are potheads, they're going to like Andy. They were thrilled for the first yes. 20 minutes. Yeah. So they're not going to be like, this show sucked. I hate everybody. You know what I mean? Comedy is stupid. Because they were I'm like, oh, the headliner was okay, but we really like that middle. Okay, yeah. good. Great. Success. Still a fun That's show. That's the way I see it. Good. Okay. So, uh, and also, it, it, go, it, it also, I mean, it, it complements different styles as well. You know, so a lot of that goes into it too. Um, so, yeah. How about with a show like Stand Up Get Down, which mm-hmm. is so, it's it's obviously rooted in stand up, but for the listeners who either didn't listen to my episode with Jason Clark, shame on you, or yeah. haven't <laughs> listened to the back catalog, um, Stand Up Get Down is a game show that we do here in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and you've gotten the chance to do a couple times in Cleveland now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did uh, it from over a couple of cities, yeah. Uh, where it's a three-on-three stand up game mm-hmm. show, different rounds where you get to test your skills at impressions, roasting, mm-hmm. um, stock jokes. How do you look at putting together the total show or breaking up the teams into how you do to find a good flow. Uh, And it's so different than stand-up because I think a lot of comics who maybe have seen it or only heard about Mm -hmm. it don't realize that with a a normal stand-up show, you're going up for five minutes to 15 to 20 minutes. Then you get to go back to the green room and have fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to be on for an hour. Yeah, yeah. You're, there's, there's a yeah. sense of theater to the entire it's, program. It's double Dutch funny though for an hour and a half. Absolutely. Yeah, right. Um, it's funny because people sometimes say, like, how do you book a show or how do you make a lineup? And, you know, a lot of that goes into it. It's just this kind of comedy algorithm that I think some people in their heads are good at. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm good at that because I like finding strengths in people and, you know, um, Part of, you know, part of my professional life years ago was basically, you know, doing, you know, counseling and teaching leadership. So I kind of I break people down a little bit differently. Yeah, sure. So like uh, it, it, it's a little bit easier for me to like kind of look at, you know, what type of comic people are, what kind of voice they are. And for stand up get down a lot of it, you know, of course, it all comes into we want the audience to, to be able to connect with somebody in the show yeah you know whether that be and that's absolutely having diversity and you know something for everybody i think that's really important in a show you know what i mean uh going back to what i was saying about like sean and andy like you know if if they don't like the two loud dads that look like they're on cocaine on the (laughs) stand-up get down they'll like ramsey daniels who's 25 and gay or whatever you know what i mean like i i think it's really important to have that you know what i mean because then everybody's having a good time especially on a show like that where there's eight different personalities absolutely right with that many voices Yeah, we've we've had the eight fat white guy show it's not as fun you know what i mean and then you got nine girls in the front they're like this is ridiculous who are these men it's just like my dad screaming at each other (laughs) you know yeah um so so that comes into play but also, it's like pitting different skills against each other, you know, so as someone who's more like maybe could get more loud and gregarious, maybe somebody's a little bit sillier, um, you know, splitting those people up. And also, you know, like I would like two two people that are more soft spoken and clever and witty, yes. you know, like, boom, just hitting with one liners like, you know, it makes me think like uh, like Osha Dwyer is I mean, she's been killing on stand up get down. And so she just, I lo- we love how she just boom, yeah. like just 
comes out the gate. We're like, oh my God, she didn't talk for nine minutes and she just kicked you all in the nuts. <laughs> Thought of the meanest like, thing she could Jason say. Jason and I love that <laughs> about people like her, yeah. you know? So it's like, we wouldn't have someone exactly like her on the same team. You know what I mean? Makes sense. So we, we try to give those, you're building a dodgeball team, bro. Yeah. You're, you're building a baseball team. You're building a hockey team. And you know it, what I mean? That's what you're doing. The winner um, is irrelevant. Yeah. We're trying to put together yeah, yeah, yeah. a show and it matters. Do you remember the we Nintendo game ice hockey? Yeah. Yeah, you need the skinny guy, the middle guy, the <laughs> medium guy, the fat guy. You know, you you mix it up a little bit. Yeah. From getting to do it either where the the teams roast each other or the element you guys have introduced about a year ago where my friend is garbage, mm-hmm. now an audience member can volunteer yeah. someone to be roasted. Do you have a favorite roast joke that you've gotten to see one of the comics do? Something that oh. jumps out? At- <laughs> I don't know. As soon as you said that, I keep thinking of this funny thing and I can't remember who said it. I can't remember. I cannot remember. I think um, <laughs> this is so this is inside for our friends. Like I remember laughing so hard. I don't know why to I think who was it? Somebody said to Ed Bailey, you look like a black target mannequin. <laughs> and he was like perfectly crisply dressed. Sure. And it was so funny because he's <laughs> he's he's a beautiful man. Yes. He's a gorgeous man. Perfect skin, perfect hair. And then his outfit was so pressed and clean that it was perfect. He could have been standing in a store window. And I window. want to say <laughs> it's such a Shannon Norman thing to say. Sounds like it. But it, but. I, I know, it wasn't. Somebody knows. If it was I, you, if you're in the audience, if you're on knows. one of the teams, I tweet at us. I so damn hard at that. Um, yeah, I can't I can't think of other, you know, um, man. You've done the show a couple times in Cleveland. What's it like getting to take it on the road and either see comics that you don't have as much exposure to on the program? I, I will say it's it's a lot of fun to have comics that are really, really excited to do it. Yeah. To do something different, you know? And that's why, in, like, in, when we do it in Pittsburgh monthly, like, we want people to have fun. We want people to want to be there and have a good time, you know, and play and, you know, screw around and be funny. You know what I mean? I always say, like, if you're going to do stand-up get down, don't be too cool for school. Because yeah. it's not going to work. You got to play the game. Uh, you got to care and have fun. You know what I mean? Um, so it's fun to, to, to go in different cities and people be very enthusiastic and like, oh, shoot. Like, we don't have something like this. Let's step up. Yeah, and it's yeah. fun. And it's it's fun seeing uh, people you don't know play and really enjoy it. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. And you're like, oh, my gosh. Like, you get to, Jason and I get to experience this blast with six new people that we've never even done stand-up with. Yeah, much less lots, seeing them in of, this right. format. Exactly. From your time growing up, either working as a counselor or through youth groups, talk to me about how much that sort of just presentation ability, being able to get young people's attentions quickly or trying Mm -hmm. to connect with them and make a difference in somebody's life has impacted how you parent as a dad now for the last few years. Oh, boy. You know, I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um well, I mean, I heard your question, and I'm trying to process it in different ways. Sure. <laughs> I th- Do you I think, think it impacts you more on stage than off? Um, Wait, say that again. Okay. Because now I'm thinking in different tangents. Um, your time being yes. connected to youths, yeah, doing yeah, yeah, you yeah. know development of them, do you think it impacts you more as a comedian or as a dad, I guess, to reword I, it for I, you? I mean, it, it does impact a lot of different things, you know what I mean? Um. Obviously, as parents, my wife, my wife also went for child development. Oh, okay. Um, you know, so we kind of know how to textbook parent. Yeah. And then we parent ourselves, so it does help a little bit. 
you know, it does help, you know, having that experience with kids and stuff. And, you know, especially, you know, you know, we think, oh, wait till our kids are teenagers and maybe, you know, <laughs> we'll be better at it. But we, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and, and, and on stage, I mean, really, I think my time, you know, honestly, my time and, and a lot of people, you know, don't say it this way or don't think that I have done stuff. You know, I mean, I worked I worked for a mega church. I worked for inner city churches. You know, I've worked for a handful, a couple, not yeah. a lot. And uh, suburban church, you know, and um, I mean, I worked in ministry is what you would say. Yeah. Like people, you know, I, I worked in ministry and I think a lot of it is um, the, the biggest thing I learned was just um, this. It sounds cliche. And get, I mean, it, it kind of made me who I am professionally. I think I think just treating people with with respect and, you know, treating others how you would want to be treated and being kind to people. And I think that that practicing that on a daily basis, because it's like part of your job. Yeah. Like if you're a jerk, that doesn't work in that field. No one's going to keep coming back. Yeah. To and so it, you it, you truly have to be a better person because you you can't make people better people if you're not a better person. If you're not if you're not counseling yourself. Right. You can't counsel others. Very much. You so. know, so um, going through that. Uh, professionally, you know, and, and, and personally kind of, I think developed, uh, you know, me to appreciate and see things a little bit differently. So it has, I think it has helped me in business, you know, in comedy, do you, interacting with yeah, everybody, I think, everybody from bookers to audience. I think you know growing I mean? up with religion and being involved in it in some level is important for mm -hmm. setting up a lot of people with the ground rules to be a good human being. Sure. Absolutely. Um, do you involve your kids in the church now as you start to parent your own youth? Yeah. Yeah. My, my, my kids go to church. My, yeah. my, my, my wife's a deacon. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're still, still have. Yeah. My, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. 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 They yeah. go every Sunday. <laughs> I go to the gym. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you still have a relationship with God? Sure, I love I like God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People always say like uh, people after shows because I I've been mentioning recently like I'll say something on stage because I made this joke when I wear this blue shirt on stage. I made this joke that I was like I, I you know I'm trying to dress like a cool dad. And I'm like I look like a non-denominational youth pastor. Yeah, <laughs> and people laugh and I'm like because I was one. That's like that was, that's like pretty <laughs> that was much twenties and teens. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> so um uh so when I say that you know sometimes people will go oh are you a Christian um. No thanks. <laughs> and I uh, don't that type of don't use the c word around me. That type of loaded question, yeah. always tends to come from the people who are using religion as a weapon instead of as a tool for love. Uh, you're absolutely correct. And I think that um, because <laughs> the because a lot of times the next thing they're going to say is, "Oh, you're on stage swearing." Yep, I've heard that before. Sure. Um, and uh, I even mentioned that on stage when I was in Tampa this past week. Uh, I said something about youth pastor and I was like, now I swear about my wife and kids, you know, and I laugh and, uh, like, oh. and I saw this table kind of make a look at me and it was two older ladies and I, I know what they're thinking. I know sure. I've seen it. I know, you know, and I go and I, and a lot of times when people say that, but I said this on stage, I go, I go, yeah, I swear about my wife and kids now. And I was like, and I think I'm okay. I said, because Jesus has bigger problems to worry about. I was like, there's kids without water. He doesn't care if I say the F word. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Lord that has bigger problems. Than and, I, and then on stage, I'm like, <laughs> I didn't think I was going to get all theological, but uh, that's my theology on that. That's my stance. So, yeah. Um, I think uh, God has bigger things to worry about. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I think that's very, it's a very poetic way to look at yeah. it. Yeah. Um, 
with everything that's going on right now with kids in school and you were just down in Florida where it's a big national story right mm-hmm. now with Parkland. Um, do you have, I don't, we don't need to get into weighing in on I don't, all, all politics. Yeah, and I don't really, even, even Jason and I on our granddad business podcast, we like, we'll start, look, mention them. We're like, yeah, no, no, no just, man. and on stage too, I don't sure. talk religion and politics just because I think that, um, you know, and comics that do that, that's great. And there are really great comics that do it well. Some people are suited you know? for that. Yeah. Yeah. And and my the way I'm made up, I'm a people pleaser. I like the whole room to be having a good time. Yep. You know what I mean? Like I'm like, yo, let's all get together and laugh our balls let's off. Let's bring joy to right. this. And that's that's me. However many you know? bodies. There are people that do great things. You know, Carlin was an incredible, you know, uh, a voice about religion, you know, Richard Pryor about social, social economical issues, you know? Yeah. So, and that's their, that was their things. You know, it's just not my thing. Understood. You know, um, you've been hosting pleasure bar for five plus. It's almost six, six years now. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, you want to hear something really funny is that, um, I believe that, uh, uh, this is, I didn't know this until like a month later. So in November of 2017, okay. I was like, hey, guys, five-year anniversary pleasure bar. I remember, yeah. Um, Not- it was the sixth. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not the right day. Because, uh, <laughs> I, dude, I just and, – and the owner, Jamie, uh, which all comics know Jamie now. Yep. Uh, Ponytail Jamie at Pleasure Bar. We do, yeah. He was like, you had this last year. I was like, what? What do you mean? And he was like, yeah, you started in like 2012. I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, shit. I was like <laughs> – it's six. So, yeah, it's been six years. Six years going on seven. Yeah, it was like in November of 2012, right? That wow. makes sense. Yeah. So, Wait, with, with is that, that right? We're doing math, quit people. I don't care. Whatever. Well, it's, I know up. it's six. We I got up. the year wrong. <laughs> um, with any open mic, and I've run them at Cativo before, yeah. um, you're going to have good weeks, you're going to have bad weeks, audience mm-hmm. wise. What advice do you have for a comic when they approach a set in a room that's sparsely attended versus? doing a weekend headliner club. What a follow-up question about Pleasure Bar. <laughs> yeah, it's an open mic, and we're in oh, Pittsburgh. No. Every comic gets it. It's funny. Everyone's I heard you were jam-packed last night. Yeah, it was great. Right. Last night was fun. And then the year, the the week before, nobody. Right. It was a ghost town. It was I Am Legend. It was me and Will Smith and his dog doing jokes, you know? Um, um, you know, I, I always say that, I, you know, I, this is my opinion. Other comics are different. Yeah. Um, I'm not interested in them. It's you and me, baby. Well, it goes back to our the first question we talked about was about teaching at Arcade, you know, yeah. and teaching people stand up. I, I would say that it's I think it's different for everybody, but I feel like you I always say this and I know a bunch of comics will say, oh, he's said that to me before. I feel like if you can't do five people in an audience, you cannot do 500. That's like fair. I feel, I feel, I feel a correlation where where you are in in your in your path of comedy that I feel like if you can do five, then you can do five hundred, and I think it's a, it's a big testament who's someone who can make five people laugh. There's an adaptability to mm-hmm. realizing yeah. that maybe the set you thought you were going to do when you drove over there yeah. may not play to this small right. of a crowd, and, and people get discouraged sometimes. And you know, like even even you know, I I was at Pleasure Bar last night, and a comic got discouraged. You know, he's doing new stuff, and there's you know there's you know a decent little crowd, you know, and it's like, dude, it's it's no big deal. Yeah, you know what I mean, like. You know, the crowd would liked a certain thing. You did something different. No big deal. You know what I mean? You'll learn. Yeah. You know, it's just a it's just, you know, you went to the gym today and you got super tired and left early. 
That's it. That's right. the way I look at it. Overdid it on legs the day before. That's it. That's all it is. Day. That's all it is. Um, what are you doing to change it for the right. next one? But I feel like I'm a person where I feel like, in, in my opinion, in my comedy, I say this very lightly because some people disagree. Yeah. I feel like that I want to figure out how to make them laugh no matter what. I think I want to. I want to be like, what, what, what do you find funny? Yeah. Can I get you? Like I, something. I'll I, keep going. I have a very similar mindset where, I, especially with you getting ready for an hour, I think a lot of people would say, I'm going up there and I'm doing my time because that's what I'm doing and I need to work on this set for mm-hmm. me. But I've always felt that the better comics, the people who are adaptable mm-hmm. in those moments, mm-hmm. realize that maybe I need to do something different mm-hmm. because it's not about me. I am the yeah. I'm the facilitator mm-hmm. of joy. Yeah. I need to figure out what it's going to take yep. for this collection of people. And it's funny to you be say happy. that because a lot of comics will say they're like, this is for me up here. No, it's not. It's dude. not. It never is. You, you're selling a product the, and you want people to buy your product. This is the only thing you can't do without an audience. If I wanted to get yeah. good at piano or guitar, yeah. I could sit here in my apartment and right. do it by myself and practice. You're tales. there to please the audience. Yeah. To make them laugh. The whole nobody so came when to comics, be in an audience, right. not to be entertained. It's it always cracks me up when comics and and guys, you know, comics do this, you know, and that's fine. But I feel like I'm gonna go up and here's what I'm gonna do. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, they didn't like it. Fuck them. Yeah. It's like, well, you know, this just didn't this didn't work. Like, and you were like, well, then what are you doing this for? Like, yeah. you're doing this and waiting for you're waiting for the audience that, that finally gets you. That's such, and a- I know some comics could say that, and I know there there are comics. You know, Alex Tapula is not. You know, people say like, "Oh, Alex Tapula is great. Why doesn't he work at the Improv?" Well, it's general audiences. Alex knows who he is. We've yeah. had these conversations with Alex. If you, he might, you know, Alex is a different type of comic. Yep. You know what I mean? There are comics that are different like that, and they know they're not going to work in a club. Until a certain point in their career, but he's you know done I mean? such a good job in the last two years, right. even of finding his he's doing niche, great, right. doing his web series, exactly. doing mm-hmm. his podcast, and he's putting out an album, able to be quality. himself. He gets to be weird, yes, and uh, you know he has put himself in front of the right people, and so there is something to that. Yeah, you know what I mean. I think for the average person, I'd love to get your take on it. That doesn't see comedy as the business that it is. Because there's so much that goes into what we're doing to promote ourselves that's not on stage telling jokes. Yeah. To build the brand that is grown dead business. <sighs> yeah. How, I mean, realistic, you've been doing it, you've been at it full time for nine years now. How many hours, how much of your week is devoted to this lifestyle? Ugh, it's, uh, I tell you what, <laughs> gearing up for uh, March 3rd at the Carnegie Library of Homestead where I'm filming my one-hour special for two shows at 7 p.m. and 10 p.m. Tickets still available. Um, yeah, it, it's a weird thing. I come from marketing and advertising also, yeah. so I, I learned a lot of that. Um, so I'm able to do it well, so why not do it for my comedy career? You know, obviously, you know, uh, even, you know, in any other jobs I did, I always was creative with things you yeah. know, like that. But uh, it is part of the job. It is. And I think the only thing that you can control, because I think you have to do some sort of marketing and advertising. You got to be on social media. You know, you got to be doing something that's helping you market and advertise if that's what you want to do for a business. And I know that's gross to some people to say, like, I'm just doing my art. Well, you'll find out. It's a business, too. Like, you you know, you're going to do your art long enough and you go, I should do business. I should be compensated for my art. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, you know, don't hold out too long in being an artist and, you know, (laughs) you know, take a take a marketing class. Um, What was your first open mic? 
what was your first time on stage? Oh, I'll tell you. Okay. Well, let me finish what I was saying about yeah. this. Um, there, it's just it. So the whole thing of marketing and advertising your business and building your brand, which by the way is a really gross term to say, uh, because in the end of the day, this is you know I'm talking about going on stage, talking about like my life. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's kind of weird. It feels sleazy yeah, almost yeah, yeah. to look at I, it. As I a think business. that you the only thing that you can control is how good or bad it is and how obnoxious it is. Like I I I can't be like, you know, Facebook living all the time. I can't like I try. Yeah, I saw you and Jason just tried it for the podcast recently. Uh, yeah. How was that experience? Cuz I've never done video for this. It was uh act, well, actually I'm a question pockets, from podcast to podcaster. Yeah. Um it made us perform better Real, okay because we knew we had a camera on us sure you're acting so a little more we were we were on a little bit more Fair. Do you know what i mean yeah um absolutely that's the first thing we said when we turned it off we we're like wow that made us come up a little you bit. become a little more professional yeah you, you woke up a little bit you're a little more in. cognizant of what you're doing how i look physically yeah act. okay um but uh but yeah um marketing will never not be gross yeah because you know it's not like you're selling windows you're selling your name and your face yeah come by me it's just oh it's it feels gross it does and as many people that think that oh aaron loves all this no i don't like if i could get rid of facebook tomorrow i one thousand have been off there yeah three or four years ago i mean you know i just like to stay connected and it's part of your job you know it's just what it is and uh if people um, don't know when you're performing there's no way to come yeah right uh, it's just it's a necessary evil. It's unfortunately the only internet site yeah, that matters. You just get to pick, you know, if you're obnoxious or not. I right. try really hard. I also try something I also try to be authentic. Okay. Uh anything that I do, it's always like, hey guys, what's up? You're my like people that follow me or or you know, people have seen me at shows, like they're my friends. Like I want people to be like, yo, it's me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like like it's weird when you're like, hey guys. Uh, you know, it's like like when people talk about themselves in the third person on their, you know, okay, if you're Kevin Hart, okay, but Kevin Hart still is pretty personable, yeah. you know, through his social media, and especially through doing the podcast where you go into people's lives on a weekly basis, where they're expecting you to check in with them, to talk to them, and you're, you're right, with right, them right. in their intimate moments, not just right. when you're on stage. Yeah. You do become a friend to these people. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, and and you know, when people, you realize too, it's like when people come to your shows and buy your DVDs and your T-shirts, and you know, those people are like paying for my house yeah they're paying for my kids to eat you know what i mean so you so d- like i want to keep them happy like you said yeah. with the church you show people the respect that they deserve yeah. when they're absolutely the ones who are keeping you with a roof yeah over your man head. i mean you, you know uh, you know the people that are coming to your shows man they're 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 paying your bills yeah you know that's they're important to you <laughs> you know what i mean so them. i don't want to i i would always want to you know on social media talk to people like hey what's up like this is funny you want to chat we'll or chat. this is yeah, yeah i'll it's, it's me talking yeah you know it's not, it's not like, coming from this corporate yeah right, right, right. grown dad even though i have a publicist right now <laughs> <laughs> but even that and and i make sure that that's really important that you know he'll say you know hey you should do this this and this and he'll be like Here's you know clabberize it you know like you put it in your own words and that's i ask to do that yeah you know if if, if uh yeah maybe <laughs> maybe maybe there's a point where you're like you know you're gonna be busy enough where you should just let people post stuff for you and i'm like mm. it's not there yet no yeah. it's not there yet no yeah. no and, i don't like and that. eventually yeah, yeah, yeah it'll get to the point where they know your voice sure, they sure, know sure. your edits before yeah, yeah, yeah. they run it by you isn't that gross talking about that 
Yeah. It makes me uncomfortable talking about it. Anyway, <laughs> it's just a matter of how things work. It's just a matter of how this business works. Garrett Teitelbaum, it's nice to see he's working. That's the whole goal yeah. for, for the show is me finding out from people and in the industry, both music work. and comedy. Exactly. <laughs> how do you get to a point where you can be profitably funny? That's yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. term on the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the goal for all of us. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of us have to do day jobs for a while. You did black car and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, uh, I'm, I'm grabbing something out of the air. Go for you, it. you said to the first time on stage. Yeah, I'm always curious. What was your first uh, open mic or your so so random earliest um, uh, comedy memories? The first time I was ever on stage, um, I was thinking about doing stand up, and a stand up comic that I knew named Frank Nicotero from Pittsburgh. Uh, I knew him because. His dad was a. Uh, is that the special effects, Greg Nicotero? Is he related? To yeah, yeah, Greg. From Greg, Dead? yeah, Greg's his cousin. Okay, um, nice. That's why, like, you know, Greg, you know, Greg came. To, like, you might have saw pictures of Greg Nicotero <gasps> yeah, in arcade. arcade. And, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, when Frank, Frank was there over Christmas and stuff. So, cool. like, we're all, you know, we Connected. all know each other actually from filmmaking. Sure. Before I even did stand up, I made independent films, and that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, I wanted to um, dig in a little bit, but we might oh, be out of time. Oh, dude, we might there's, have to do the there's story. I've done a lot of ridiculous. <laughs> I've done I've done a lot of things. My twenties were full. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I knew Fr- Frank Nicotero through his dad, Sam Nicotero, who's passed away uh, uh, about a year ago, and uh, amazing Pittsburgh actor, radio guy. Was in every Pittsburgh independent film. Was in Romero movies. Uh, an amazing guy. Was in my first independent film. That's how I met his friend, his son Frank. Okay. And Frank's a comedian. Oh, okay, cool. What's up, man? I'm a comedian. You know, I want to be a comedian. You yeah. know, or I'm a comedian. I do improv. I'm yeah, a, right, right, right. right. Yeah. And uh, hey, I'm thinking about doing stand up. You know what I mean? Like, um, and me and him would email back and forth about stand up. You know, and I was like, oh, I'm trying to write some stuff. Blah blah blah. And then uh, out of nowhere, he's like, Hey, uh, I'm coming into town to do a week. Um, you should come down and do a guest set. And I was like, I've never done stand-up. And be fine. he was like, oh, no, you'll be great. You're funny. And I'm like, uh, okay. Went down and did five-minute guest set. And they said, hey, come back next week, do a guest set. I was like, okay. Sure. So I went and did another one. Yeah. And then um, I was like, oh, this is fun. And I think I went and did like – I went to the Smiling Moose like twice because uh, the Smiling Moose was the only game Mike in town. town it, was, sure. it was the improv and the Funny Bone I think had a monthly – that was still open because the funny bone closed like not even a year into me doing stand up. Wow. Uh, yeah, it closed like right in the beginning of 2010, probably sure. somewhere in 2010. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I did uh, I did like two Smiling Moose open mics. So I did two guest sets, two Smiling Moose open mics, and then I didn't do stand up. That was in December of 2008 and January of 2009. And then I didn't do stand up again until July. Wow. Um, what kept you off stage? I I was busy, and then I got two movies. Yeah. So all of sp- like basically from April to July, I was filming two different movies, and uh, I, honestly, I met a comic that was an extra. <laughs> yeah. Who like yeah, it, it, uh, it was a uh, well, I'm not gonna name names because I don't want to. Sure. Um, <laughs> uh, it was it was a comic that used to put on a lot of shows in Pittsburgh, and uh, happened to be an extra and you know kind of gravitated towards i i was i was next to um brian callen mm-hmm. uh most of the time i was filming because he played the joe rogan in this movie warrior gotcha and uh so you know this open my comic gravitated towards the famous comedian that was yeah 
I didn't because I was naturally sitting next to him the whole time because <laughs> I was a, in the corner of the ring. They so, put me there. Yeah, I was allowed to be there. <laughs> so, but anyway, long story short, uh, it, it, it's I mean it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, uh, because it was like, oh yeah, you do stand up, and I was like, yeah, I did stand up like four times. I've done it. I got credits. yeah. And and this comic was like, um, do you want to do a show? And I was like, okay. Sure. When now I realize that oh, you're a new comic. Bring fifty people. Yeah. This is what we're looking for. And I'll for. give you a $20 bill. <laughs> uh, yep. Aaron Cliver's been there, guys. Everyone listening, we've all done it. Everyone lived it. We've all done a bringer show and made a ton of money for that person. <laughs> <laughs> we've all done it, friends. You just you get ears enough to learn. Um, but that's what I did. I, yeah. went and, uh, I went and did this show at the Pittsburgh Cafe. Nice. In July of 2009. I remember Matt Light hosted it. Okay. It was my first show ever. It was July 17th, 2009. Uh, Matt Light hosted it. And uh, and I remember they were like, they were like, can you do 15 minutes? And I was like, uh, okay. Sure. Sure. So I did stand up four times, right? Okay. And I would just basically kind of, you know, just try to like improvise and, you know. And honestly, what happened was is Brian Callen, um, He's the one that taught me how to do stand up just by one simple conversation. Yeah. And because I was like, yeah, I kind of feel like I'm doing an impression of a stand up comic on stage. Like, I don't, I'm not super comfortable. Like, there was some, a couple laughs, but like, it just doesn't feel right. And, and, uh, he was like, well, you're an improviser. He was like, why aren't you writing on stage? And that's the first time everyone's ever, anyone's ever said that to me. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he was like, okay, well, what's some of your jokes? And this is real, this is really what happened. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I, I wrote this idea of, like, I'm afraid of spiders because of, like, these two reasons. You know, like, weird, goofy reasons. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's like, okay. He goes, so go to an open mic and for five minutes talk about why you're afraid of spiders. And I'm like, and what else? He goes, I don't know. Get there. I don't he know. goes, you can do it. He goes, you've done improv for a decade. And I was like, oh. He's like, that's your suggestion. And I was like, oh. If I can fill that time. Oh. Right. Now it doesn't seem okay. so bad. So what I did was I had like four premises, five premises, and I ended up doing 18 minutes because I just was riffing on my, my ideas. Yeah. And it was good. You can feed off the energy. And, uh, and I, this is the story where <laughs> this is, this is douchey douche alert. Look uh, out Aaron's here. I just remember it's funny that I, well, M Matt light tells the story and so does Terry Jones with affection, you know, cause we're all friends, you know? Yeah. And Matt said, he was saying like he, I was on stage and he said he texted Terry Jones. It was like, there's this fat dude, Aaron, that is really good. Nice. <laughs> and that was nice. It was yeah. neat. It was neat that like a compliment. These, these guys that were in the scene that were, you know, already, a, you know, pretty decently Names. established. Yeah. yeah, it was it was kind of a neat thing. Uh, <laughs> and that was that was it, man. And then <laughs> uh, and then that comic booked me on another show at the Improv in September. And I brought 30 people and made them a bunch of money. Nice. And did well again and um, did a bunch of open mics. And then I was. Uh, yeah. November. November 2009, I worked Did featured at the Improv. <laughs> no, uh, th three months after my first show. <laughs> Obviously, in perfect situations like that, sometimes the timeline just works out. It, uh, dude, listen, everyone's different. Yeah, we that are. <laughs> I fell into. You know what? It, whatever my path was, that's what it was. Well, and the scene wasn't what it is today. No, at no. that point, there and and you know and like I said, like I I said, you know, there was Matt Light and Terry Jones. I mean, there was there was like 
20 comics. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was not a lot of comics, especially comics who could feature. Who could do 15 plus. Right. So yeah. it was, and this is not talking, you know, anything bad about, you know, guys that were featuring then. Sure. You know, but it really was like, it was like, you know, Terry, T-Robe, Crawford, Conkle. They need more people than that. That was it. There's more shows. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, you know, and a couple old school guys, you mm-hmm. know, that were, you know. <laughs> Yeah. They were looking for new blood, to put it that way. <laughs> yeah. So it was a time where it was like, you know, oh, there's there's finally we have somebody new. You know what I mean? It, it just kind of fell into that. Yeah. Oh, and Mitch McCalsha, you know, and sure. um and Mo Mozic. Okay. Uh, you know, those guys who've since uh moved on, you know, moved different cities. Tim Diamond was was around then. Uh, I met but, Tim at yeah, the yeah. first PCF, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there there was, you know, there was just not a lot of comics. And and there was only, you know, maybe one the smiling moose was the one consistent open mic on Tuesdays. Now we have 13 to 15 a week. Six nights a week you could get up if and you wanted easily to. Easily 150 comics. Yeah. I mean, um 40 plus is not uncommon for no, a handball Thursday crazy. anymore. It's yeah. just, you know, starting from when I did and and then immediately that's why I started two of my own open mics. Immediately. We needed them. Yeah, yeah because I was like, I want to get up more. Because I thought, oh, how do I get better? I got to do more. Get reps, yeah. So I was like, hey, Monday night, yeah, I want a show. And uh, hey, Wednesday night, yeah, boom. You know, I started my Monday night show that ran for like a year and a half in in South Bethel Park. Yeah. And then I did like eight months at Dukes and Homestead. And then I landed I landed at uh, Pleasure Bar at in Pleasure. Bluefield. And then right, right, right after I started Pleasure Bar in Bloomfield, I started Beer Hive on Wednesday. I love the Beer Hive. I'm I'm actually their uh, trivia host for Zoe's Trivia on Thursdays. Uh, Great establishment over there. You know what's awesome is that, that, uh, like, comedians now, like, places where we do mics, comedians are getting hired for, like, trivia and DJing. Absolutely. That's awesome. They like like comics. They like the comics around. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although the timeline is different for everybody as far as when opportunities yeah. will come, you always give the same piece of advice to everybody who ever asks you, which I always think is important. So be yeah. humble, uh, be funny, be kind. Be kind and be funny. Be fine, be kind, yeah, yeah. be funny. Yeah. I added be humble. No, that's uh, fine. It's all I think that's all part of being kind. <laughs> yeah, that falls yeah, under it's, the same uh, it's, sure. I think it's you know how like uh oh back to religion, you know, Jesus takes the Ten Commandments and breaks the old covenant of the Ten, you know, commandments and Basically, he's like, here's the two new commandments, hence the New Testament. You know, I'm talking to Christians who follow the Old Testament because it's the Old Covenant. It doesn't count anymore, except if you're Jewish. Uh, uh, We still have it. Yeah, that's right. Can you name a sequel that's better than the original? I don't think so. (laughs) Old Testament, baby. (laughs) So, so, you know, Jesus breaks down the Ten Commandments into the two. And I guess that's my my comedy two command. Like, it's be kind and be funny. Like it, Things I feel like work out if, if you can if, accomplish those two. Right. Things. If you would say, well, what about this? That fa- it falls into one of those two. If you want to be successful at comedy, be kind and be funny. Yeah. You know, that's that's the best advice I could give. Um, and actually, just a real quick. Yeah, of course. I actually a lot of people. Norlex Belma. I I hear you. I Friend hear you, bro. I hear you out there. Front of the potty slept on the couch you're sitting on. <laughs> Norlex has wanted this for so long. He wants be kind and be funny on a shirt. Yeah, I remember uh, being at the pleasure bar and having that yes. conversation with the I mean, two of you. Three no joke. Years ago. This this son of a bitch. He he texts me probably once a month like, yo, when that shirt coming. <laughs> <laughs> so March third uh, at my sh- comedy special. March third at the Carnegie Library of Homestead. Uh, I am selling Be Kind, Be Funny shirts. Beautiful. And uh, half the proceeds are going to the Pittsburgh Women's Shelter. That's uh, incredible. Where I lived as a child for a time. 
That's a whole nother podcast. We're going to do the acting podcast. We're going to do the childhood podcast. <laughs> yeah, we can podcast. do multiple topics. We will. We'll come back. Uh, one final topic before yeah. we get off, Mike. The day after you record your special this Sunday is the Oscars. You're a big film guy. Mm-hmm. I know you get to go to a lot of screeners for the podcast you do with mm-hmm. Sean Collier. What are your predictions for the big categories? Have you had a chance to see a lot of them oh, with boy. the prep for this album? Uh, yeah. No. I Usually, Sean Collier and I, we do our uh, You Can't Handle the Truth movie review podcast. And uh, at the end of the year, we do a top 10. So I do ha- you know, catch up on with screeners. Yeah. You know, I get screeners in the mail. And then you know, I got to catch up with Sean because Sean's... Sean Collier's day job is movie reviewer. Yeah. So he sees 130 to like 150 movies a year. I try to get close to 100. Okay. You know, I, I try to like catch up as many because he's got to watch all the good ones and, and all ones. the bad ones. Everything that's come out. Everything. Foreign, everything. He's got to watch them all. The documentaries he has to watch. Ugh. Oh, God's sakes. <laughs> God bless him. So I usually get between 90 and 100 a year. So, okay. um, so yeah, this year, uh, yeah. <laughs> now I'm. The no. ballot is right over there. Oh. If you want to take a look, I have my yeah, I, cheat sheets out. I remember my I remember my top ten. Now I'm like I'm getting like old lady eyes. I'm just like I need to get my glasses <laughs> real quick. That's is, um, yeah. I oh boy, this is this is tough because th- I think best picture is such a loaded thing. Uh, I think uh I think there's three or four here that really that people want to win best picture. Usually it's it's a consensus of maybe one or two. It's pretty you know, narrow but, field, uh, sure. Yeah, There's at but, least I mean, three, three or three to four movies that I think have a chance. Still. I mean, yeah, I mean, my favorite was Dunkirk. Okay, you know, I, I, I love, uh, you know, the story of World War II, and you know, Christopher Nolan is phenomenal. Both Dunkirk and Get Out, I think, are so strong, but mm-hmm. they came out so much before the Oscar season. Sometimes yeah. I feel like that does you a disadvantage. Yeah, um, but uh, you know, The Shape of Water really has, really has some clout, and so does Three Billboards. I'm, I, I think, I think. Um, I, I I think three billboards might win. That was my favorite of the of the yeah. bunch. I really liked Get Out and I really liked Lady Bird a lot. Mm-hmm. Three billboards is the one that stuck with me for the last two or three weeks since mm-hmm. I walked away from it. Shape of Water is very old Hollywood French movie sort of feel to it, which yeah. wouldn't shock me if they they're very yeah. And also, like and, they're and the artist one. It I'm feels talking like out of turn because Sean Collier is loves this movie. And uh, I said it was good. It was good. Shape there was, water. Yeah, it was yeah, very that's good. How I came away. It was too. very good. Couple things where I was like, "What the fuck?" What? Huh? Huh? <laughs> that uh, threw it off for me. But I also don't think that it's um, it's the the story is as core as any nothing new. Correct. I mean, it's Beauty and the Beast. It's, it's you know, it's Swamp Thing. It's Swamp Thing. Yeah, it's so. Um, <laughs> you know, as as if time. if you win Best Picture, it should be an original story that. And I think three billboards well, and get out are much more that very much so. And I, I will say three billboards on a story level is it has a leg up on get out because I think get out is a really good, probably one of the best Twilight Zone episodes. Yes. OK, but where it bumps into best picture is the way that um, wait, I just went Jordan Peele. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the way Jordan Peele took a Twilight Zone idea and made it a social issue. Yeah. I think that's where it bumps into best picture. Because other than that, it's a it's a ten million dollar weekend. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a it's you know what I mean? Such a strong story, well acted, and it's different Absolutely. than anything else. But it, from looking at Best picture through the years, Silence of the Lambs is the only film that's ever come from the horror yep, genre. You're absolutely right. So it would be a little bit of a surprise. Yep. Um, but I hope he gets some best director love at least. I hope that he has an opportunity to get on stage. I think it's possible. Um, if not, um, Daniel Kaluuya 
mm-hmm. uh, he he may he may take it. Sure, for best actor. Yeah, it, it might happen. Um, and I know you got Gary Oldman and Denzel uh, and Daniel Day Lewis. If that dude beats those names. people, yeah. ooh, man. I mean, the dude that I, I, I feel like he's going to be working forever. He was great in Black he was Panther. He was amazing in Black weekend. Panther. Yeah, I saw that. Too. Um, but uh, I think the favorite's Gary Oldman. I yeah. think everybody's like, oh, yeah, this was amazing. It was solid. He's due. Sure. I never like when people say they're due. Yeah, they, we um, owe it to them. No, yeah. they should be the best this year. I mean, you, you know this. The, you know you're quickly turning this to a movie podcast because it's one of my passions. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, tell me when you want to stop. We can Because st- <laughs> I'll keep going. We can stop. Anything uh, that you want to ask me or anything we didn't get to that you were dying to talk about today no. when you woke up? No. I think we covered I, it, man. I, I like you being the boss. I, you know, I quarterback podcast. <laughs> Podcasts all the time, and uh, I got to be a guest on Ray's podcast tomorrow. I'm going to. Take I did Ray's podcast notice. too. Um, it's uh, no offense to other podcasts that have brought me on as a yeah. guest, but it's the first time I've ever been an active listener of a show that's bringing me on. Ah, so right, I, right, right. I'm excited. It'll be yeah, fun to talk about jobs. And Ray's a blast. He was great on this podcast. Yeah. If you want to check out Aaron Kleiber this Saturday night, March 3rd, he is at Carnegie Library of Homestead Please. Music Hall, seven and ten p.m. shows. You might have to go to the ten. Might have to go to the 10. I'm going to be at the 10. Might have to go to the 10. Come and hanging out for the late show. Yeah. How different do you think your set will be? Is it going to be pretty identical? Or if you get the 7 as good as you feel like it needs to be for video, are you going to be a little more loose than you probably would be? That's what I've heard. I've asked a handful of comedian friends who have filmed comedy specials for yeah. advice. And, you know, that's that's your nerves make you perform the best. And so a lot of people are like 7 p.m. Boom, knocked it out, and then 10 p.m. You're like, okay, now I can be a little more loose, yeah. and you know, and there are, you know, people have told me they're like, there are stuff you're gonna be like, you know what, use that bit from the 10, yeah, like it see if you can better. put that in, like because yeah, it was just so much it. sillier, you know, um, and that is a challenge for me because I I do improvise from point A to point B to point C, like yeah. I, a lot, and so. Um, you know, I mean, I, I there's times in the audience where I'll like think of something and then go off on it for four minutes. And I'm like, I don't even know what I was talking about. <laughs> I literally point to people in the audience who are like, what was I talking about? And they're like, oh, hiding stuff in your trunk. Oh, OK, let me get back to that. Right, let me go. You back know, to it's like, oh, what I, was I talking about? Oh, onesies. OK, let me get back <laughs> into there. Like, uh, so uh, having a bigger theater will help me not do that. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you're in a more intimate room, I mean, you know, like I play the second floor at arcade and I don't even get to a bit. Sure. Because it's such a fun, intimate room. You're just talking. You're yeah. So I'm just like, oh, I just talked to the crowd for 17 minutes. I got to go in three minutes. <laughs> you know, I did that like a month ago at Arcade, you know, yeah. so um, hopefully the theater will rein me in. Good. Yeah. Keep yeah, you yeah. focused. You mm-hmm. got a director at least to keep you in yeah, line. Yeah. Um, that's What's it. crazy is they, they don't know anything about my material. Like they don't say anything about it. Oh, OK. So they like it's like they're if- filming a concert. They don't care about the music right. or the lyrics. Like, that's your thing, which is really cool. Yeah. You know, but they do like they do want to know, like I give them tapes, you know, they do want to know how I move on certain bits or if there's something they want. There's something they need to get framed. Right. Properly. Like if they they're yeah. like, oh, you know, this is something that we should do this shot with because he does moves over here and does this thing. Yeah. You know, I'm like, OK, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I trust you guys are going to make me look good. I'm excited for you, man. Yeah, you've thank been, you. You've been such a staple in the scene my whole time here. And you really, you know, you, you trend set for a lot of us as far as being somebody who's going out there and doing it the right way treating people well well yeah Uh, man i mean it's 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 the circle of life dude you know that's why when people are like people you know if comics ask for you know something or 
you know, a spot or some people are like, oh my gosh. Then I'm like, of course. Yeah. That's my answer. Of course. That's how it works. Yeah. You know, if you're kind and funny, you'll get booked. <laughs> like, I'll say yes. The best piece of advice. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, that's how it works. We all help each other and people help me. And like, you know, uh, we all kind of comics help each other. There's Just a, a flow of generosity know? that comes yeah. with being somebody who's there. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully not exclusively self-serving. Right, right, right. You're there for the scene. Yeah, absolutely. To help uh, everybody. You know, and, and sometimes there's there's people that trick you that, that sure. it's, it's you think they're being nice to you, but it's really about them. Yeah. Don't get tricked. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, don't be an asshole and do your do fine on the microphone and you'll be fine. I think that's great. <laughs> what do you say, kid? What? What I do think you say? Nothing. You're really neat. Oh, thanks. Oh, you were like, what do you say, kid? And I'm like, is that a it's rhetorical a- goodbye or should I respond to that? You're allowed to respond if you want. It's something my grandfather always asked us when we were little. I love Anytime that. he'd say, go, what do you say, kid? It didn't matter what you came up with. He would go, that's really neat. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that. Show. That's some. That's some. That's a good grown dad thing. I love that. It's a good man, Bernie Titlebaum. We miss you. You have been listening to Unplanned Comedy Pods, a podcast collection.